Welcome to City Talk with Sabrina Bengal and Liz Hartman. Happy, happy Friday. Once again, it is Friday and it is time for City Talk. As I say every week, the weeks go faster and faster. Every other day is Friday. We are here. My co-host Liz Hartman is on the road again. Um, You know, I, I, I think just for a second, we really need to give her a shout out because the woman is amazing in what she's doing in support of the American Legion. She is traveling across the country right now, sure. you know, listening and, and hearing the needs of um, veterans across our country, working through the American Legion, through um, the United States government and trying to get more funds for our veterans, for the issues and the the challenges that they deal with on a regular basis and there is no better advocate in my humble opinion than uh liz hartman so um i miss her we'll see her i think in a few weeks i still think she's got about two more weeks on the road i'm not sure but um i'm holding down the fort but today we have such an awesome 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 show um we have got senate north carolina senator jim perry on the line we're going to get to him in a minute but let me tell you i walked in this morning to the studio and had the best surprise ever because i walk in and who happens to be standing there but my very good friend my colleague and really the the person that really uh catapulted new Bern, uh, uh city talk on New Bern Live is Charles Tindale. Welcome home, Charles. Good morning, Sabrina. I'm so glad. I was so glad to see you. And I said to him, you will sit in the seat this morning. Uh, I was going to try and try and trade off with Eric. Yes, yeah, so I was so excited. glad. And, and of course, our, our, our owner and producer, uh, Eric Queen, always a pleasure to have you at my table. Uh, this, I know, is going to be a great show today. I, I feel like we ambushed Charles. We did ambush Because here's Charles. what actually what happened was me and Charles were supposed to have breakfast this morning. Yep. And... Then you now, mind you, said that you said it. So he walks in at eight and says, "Hey, let's go to breakfast." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, about that." <laughs> well, I didn't tell you, but you're gonna have breakfast anyway. Great show today, everybody. Stay plugged in, staying tuned in. We're gonna have a, a great time this morning with lots of questions uh, about what's going on. But first and foremost, I want to welcome uh, Senator Jim Perry. Jim, are you on the line? I am. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, you are so welcome, and thank you for joining us here at City Talk. Um, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, Senator Perry is the senator that now represents Craven, Beaufort, and Lenore County. He is the majority whip in the uh, Senate and uh, relatively new to this district. Is that correct, Senator? That's right. Just came on in January. Well, we are really glad uh, to have you. And uh, recently, what I want to talk about this morning is um, there was an article in our paper, and I've known about it because I think we applied for it when I was an alderman on the board. Um, And it was funds for infrastructure improvements for uh, water and sewer. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that this morning and your efforts in in helping cities like New Bern, like Riverbend and other, I believe uh, Bath also too, I saw in there, get these funds. Right, right. You know, it's such a big need for um, really all of the state, but in our rural areas, um, we have a a need to stabilize those areas. It's a big investment, you know, a lot lot of, a lot of money required for those projects, but also areas that have the ability to grow. And there is a, you know, kind of a de facto moratorium on them because if they don't have the capacity for water and wastewater, then they're, they're not going to be able to, you know, really capitalize on those opportunities for growth. So we, um, we see a huge need. I think we've appropriated or we, we stand to appropriate about $2.3 billion dollars over a uh, two to three year period to uh, to kind of, you know, help some of these folks. Most people don't understand that water systems aren't paid for with tax dollars. They have to be paid for with user fees. Correct. And if you're in an area of the state like ours that, you know, Craven County's fortunate in that it maintains population, you know, can, can grow a, a little overall, but Beaufort and Lenore continue to lose as we see the urbanization of North Carolina and our population gets older. So it's, you know, it's just, just harder if you don't, don't have population growth to sustain those systems. So it's, it's going to be a, a big boost, I, I think, for our area of the state. 
Uh, there's there's no doubt about it. One of the things that I learned very quickly when I uh, became a, uh, an alderman is the importance of sewer. And somebody told me one time that sewer is gold <laughs> and that, you know, um, if you don't have sewer capacity, uh, you really can't sustain growth in your your area. And, and we see that. We saw how the step system had failed in, in some places and how important it was, um, you know, for for sewer. Now, I've got uh, somebody here, uh, one of our listeners, is asking about, can you fix Havelock's issue with dumping sewage into Slocum Creek? Now, I know that's probably, uh, you know, an issue that's going to take a lot to unwind, but, um, you know, sewer is just so important for all of our cities in eastern North Carolina. Sure. And uh, we, you know, we have been talking to... uh, the, the mayor and the, the town manager over there about some additional needs that Havelock has for growth, as well as the air station and FRC East. Um, because, you know, that, that really, we want to solidify that footprint in the future. We, we know how many jobs are provided over there. Um, Havelock has some very distinctive needs and the base does too, but we, we need, if, if we're talking about expansion and F-35s coming down here and maybe C-130s in the future, if we want to continue to be uh, viable and attractive, you know, in, in terms of our national scale, then we've got to have housing. And in order to have that housing, uh, we're going to have to have that that sewer system in place and, and water. We've got some additional issues. So in, in the state, we've seen some private utilities uh, come into the mix in the last few years. And it's... Um, you know, it's pretty impactful, the rates that they charge, that they don't have as many users. So when they have the infrastructure needs, the, the rates kind of, they go through the roof, you know, right. to be honest. Right. So having having these these funds available for the, the local communities and doing it in a more traditional method is just, I, I think, better for the, the users um, and better for the rate payers. Right. And, and that is true. You know, it's the same thing pretty much with our utility rate. One of the things we fought for for years in the city of New Bern, was to try to get our uh, utility rates on on par with with Duke. Funny part about it now, you know, everybody that would come into Newburn would try to go into Duke territory. Now Duke is more; uh, their rates yeah. are higher than the city of Newburn. And you know, our our thought process was if we could just grow the population and get more users into it, it would help us to keep the costs lower. And done, it's the same thing with water and sewer. You get more users and you spread that cost over more people. It does help um, our, our citizens in, in having lower rates. And it's really important to do that. Uh, Senator, also tell us, you know, what, what do you see on the horizon um, in this legislative session? We're in the long session now, and that's usually when you get some major things happening. Is there anything that you see coming down the pike for places such as Newburn, Craven County, or in your district? Uh, yeah, so there, there's a few things that I think could be transformational. Uh, one, we've, we've had a lot of conversations about the infrastructure needs to support uh, Cherry Point. Uh, and I, I, I want folks to understand, you know, that that's a, a unique uh, thought to have state funds supporting a, a military base. But it's really about FRC East and stabilizing all of those jobs and, and continuing to expand that footprint in eastern North Carolina. So um, I've actually had the, the base commanders been in my home, you know, sitting and, and talking about the, the needs that they have uh, and how we could partner at the federal level. And it's pretty complicated. Uh, we have a conference call actually on Monday with um, Senator Tillis and his staff to get some updates on where they are with the um, the construction dollars that they have, the Milcon money, and how we, we can partner at the state level to try to, you know, give that a little shot in the arm and provide a boost. I think overall we're probably already got over $300 million of uh, projects uh, that have been requested for Craven and, you know, surrounding sporting areas. So it's, we'll see how it goes. There's a lot of money out there, but there's a lot of requests for those dollars. Um, you know, I, I'm a proponent of if we, we have to pay those tax dollars in uh, from our area, I would like to see them either go back to the taxpayer or at the very least be used to support our specific area for growth. Yeah. So, uh, Senator, uh, you, were ta- you were talking about jobs. And there's actually like um, 
you know, four things uh, that I would like to go through real quick here that you guys have recently introduced to the General Assembly, both in the House and in the Senate. Um, and um, I'll just kind of, kind of get your feelings on these. Some of them were filed by yourself. Um, but the one first one, the one that recently just uh, that I just saw, and I, it, I think it does deal with like job opportunities. And that is and I can't remember if this one was filed in the House or the Senate. So I'm sure you'd be able to fill me in. Um, and that deals with doing a, like, I guess, basically like a top to bottom review of the jobs that are controlled by the state and looking at which one of those actually require these four-year degrees that they're putting in there. Because I've always felt we're losing highly qualified people, especially from our younger generation in like the technology field, um, mm-hmm. because they're missing a piece of paper. And I kind of like wondering, like, yeah. um, what's your guys' thought process behind that? And, uh, w- you know, where do you see, see that going? So I, I think a lot of that, um, the regulation that you see or the, the structure in requiring those degrees, I think it was well-intended uh, in many cases. And I think, you know, people were doing what they thought would be helpful for our state. I, I think we've just gone way too far in that direction. Um, you know, having a, a piece of paper doesn't give someone the ability to do every job out there. We've seen a lot of uh, I think attempts to see some wage inflation because of that. So some of it was probably protectionism, but it just makes no sense, right? We're, we're telling people they, they have to go have a degree in whatever field, because a lot of them don't require field specific degrees. They're just saying, Hey, you need a bachelor's degree. And it's ridiculous. Um, we, what, what we need are we, we need capable individuals who want to be there and have the enthusiasm moves forward. Uh, I think that legislation will absolutely move forward. That was filed in the House. If I'm uh, right in my recollection, that was my my good friend, uh, John Bell, the House Majority Leader, who filed that legislation. I know he supports it, and uh, I, I think it's a great idea. We, we've got this, this great lie going on in our country that uh, a college degree equals success. And I think when I was young and only, you know, maybe 5 6% of my high school went to college, um, maybe – People saw a correlation because th- those were the folks who were very motivated at the time. Maybe they were successful later in life, but having a worthless degree now and going, you know, into debt and, and running up student loan debt—I mean, it, it's a, a terrible disservice that our country has done to people. We want to start trying to eliminate that. Well, Senator, I could be an example. So, you know, I went to East Carolina and uh, I had 127 credit hours, but I opted for the MRS degree, as you know, (laughs) rather than um, the BS degree. And, um, you know, it has been okay. I do not have that piece of paper, but I've been able to do things and succeed and and do what I need to do. But, you know, it was the learning experience that I got, not the paper. And so that's a great example. But, yeah, the MR, it was a much better deal for me. (laughs) (laughs) I I think think it worked out for you. Yeah, it did. It did. Ask Buddy. Yeah, I just think, Charles, you'd probably be able to, you know, talk specifically about this, especially in realms. And I wish our federal government would jump suit because, like, I think I feel we're falling behind, especially in areas like cybersecurity and stuff like that, which you know is a is a huge upfront for our national security at, at this point oh, in life. Yeah. And we're losing out on the most qualified people because we are, we're putting expectations on them that don't exist, but they're the best people for the job. Yeah, it's a lot more than the degree when it comes to stuff like cybersecurity, right? In the cybersecurity industry, there's a you can talk the talk, but you have to be able to walk the walk as well. You have to have those skills somewhere in there and you can learn them in pretty much everywhere but college. Right. Most colleges, their degree program is outdated. It's cumbersome. It's slow. It's at least two or three generations behind what is actually taking place in every enterprise. The fact that we're carrying around smartphones and supercomputers in our pockets today means that our children and all of these young folks that are coming out, they can pass most of these certifications. They can get most of the qualifications necessary just breathing because they know how to use the technology. Inspiring those people and getting them out from under the, the stigma of, I don't have an insert degree here, right? Yeah is going to open up the floodgates for that. I mean, that and chat GPT and open AI and, AI and artificial intelligence nowadays is going to change the game. Yeah, it really will. Yeah. yeah so I, uh, so I, like I said, I think that's a great build. And this one I wanted to talk to you about. And, uh, um, you know, that I, I, I mean, I'm actually like a supporter of the idea in principle. Um, but 
have a few concerns. Maybe you can uh, talk a little bit about um, a, a bill you recently filed, the North Carolina REACH Act. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that, that REACH Act was actually brought to me by a young man from uh, Carteret County who moved here from uh, South Carolina where they had passed the REACH Act. And what the REACH Act would require is, is for everyone who graduates from college uh, in North Carolina to have a fundamental understanding of some of our foundational documents. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why it resonated with me. When, when I look at the statistics of how many people in our country think that uh, Justice Scalia is the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States today, and, you know, he, he passed away. He, he's no longer on this earth or the ones that think that Judge Judy is a member of the Supreme Court. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. She's not. <laughs> the, the, I'm not. I'm not joking. I've seen polling data on this or, or you know, the, I think it's about 40 percent can't name one freedom that's guaranteed or protected by the, the First Amendment to the Constitution. You think about everything we, we see in our state. People believe that. Um, you should decide court cases based upon polling data. So if, if you don't like the outcome of something, they think the court should decide it differently instead of based upon the, the rule of law. Um, they, they're believing in big government. I, I just I, I think we have a need to skinny down some of the crazy things we're learning in college and get back to basics. Um, whether someone agrees with me or, or not on my politics is irrelevant. I want them to understand uh, how our country was formed, you know, how we got here, why we got here. And I, I think it's a very reasonable thing. So this would require uh, 2.5% of 120 credit hours. So it's three hours. It's not too much to ask. If, if you go look at what we uh, require today in the UNC system at the various universities and you see some of the classes that are required, you, you, you read the, the titles of them, you read about the class, you have no idea what in the world they're teaching or why it's required uh, to your point earlier about college degrees don't make you successful. Well, you know, we're not just, we're not approaching it and teaching the, the basics uh, in a manner that we feel they should. We think it's a pretty reasonable thing to do. And uh, I support the legislation, look forward to it moving forward. Yeah. Now, Go ahead, Charles. Now, Senator, you said that a lot of these young people, they don't have the faintest clue as to what their rights are, right? But every last one of them knows the latest TikTok dance. That's right. That's right. What do you think we can do better? What do you think oh, we can do in my, terms my, of my lord? What, what can we not do better? Yeah. <laughs> in terms of utilizing technology. Take TikTok away. Right. Well, I think I think we're past that point. Honestly, I think what we have to do now is embrace that level of technology and start putting like. I would love to start seeing senators and congressmen and politicians and local government officials doing TikTok informative things that go viral and become trendy, right? It would, I'd love to be to, to hear somebody be able to recite the First Amendment or the Fifth Amendment or pick one, right, in a TikTok dance. Yeah. I would love to see that. Sure. Happen. Maybe not. Well, and we, we, <laughs> have seen, we have seen some lawmakers it's here. around it's the not country going. embrace that. We, we've seen some embrace that and use the technology, um, to your point. But I, I think about the only thing that I tell you that a lot of our young people understand today is that they have a right to protest because I, I see a lot of that. I'm not sure they understand why they're protesting. Um, and I'm not sure that they understand the reason they can do that and say whatever they want to is because somebody fought and died for that right a long right. time ago. And you got two gentlemen sitting here that are veterans uh, this morning, so they they totally understand that. <laughs> it, it, yeah. So, like in principle, in principle, I agree. I, I agree with the concept behind the reject. But here's my concern, and maybe uh, I'm sure you guys have examined what happened in South Carolina. Um, but obviously, I mean, the demographics of South Carolina are different than the demographics of North Carolina. Um, so it says it's required to have these subjects in the class, but. Yeah. But that's not to say the professor is not going to corrupt the topic. Mm. That's right. That's why, right. Why are but you how waiting far do to you college? Go? Why wouldn't we do this in high school? Because we, we do. Okay. We so do. That's, yeah. It would just be above beyond that. Yeah. So, so my concern yeah. is, is that in principle, this is a great idea, right? We're going to, you know, you would think that people would just, you know, teach the four corners of a document, right? Yeah. But you run the risk of, okay, you want me to teach this for two and a half hours? Well, here's my 
my spin. Put your spin on. on yeah, it. I get it. I get it. And so, I mean, how does the legislation prevent that? Like, is it is it like a, a great idea? Do you that want the legislation practice? preventing that? Well, then, oh, I, like, that's just it. It's like, what, what's the end result of this? And, like, like what's the intent of it? Anytime, uh, again, I mean, See, no offense, all present company excluded, of course, but, like, the government's inherently terrible at everything. And, like, whenever yep. you try to fix something, it, like, a good fix, a lot of times, so to your point, like, do you want them involved in this? Well, no, 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 no. It's not do you want them involved. It's how do I dictate what is best for you as a student, for Eric Queen's students learning versus Sabrina Bangles' students learning, right? And I'm off in Washington or I'm off at Capitol Hill, right? How do I know how best these educators should be educating, right? Even if you bring a committee of educators onto the table to say this is the best way to teach this subject, there's always going to be that one student that's left out. And the more government we get into our schools, the less it becomes education and the more it becomes indoctrination. Agreed. So it's it's double-edged sword there. It really is. Uh, I think it's a good move, and we've got to start a we've got to start doing things like this because our kids are coming out of the you know local education high schools and not prepared for yeah. the everyday world we live in. Um, and yeah, they they can you know work a name TikTok I and seen. they can work computers and all of that, but. Yeah. Uh, the realities of life, balancing a checkbook, uh, maintaining a bank account, uh, you know, learning how to work with, you know, paying your taxes and all that other stuff. Is just... It is mind blowing having transitioned one out from out of high school. I've got another one lined up, ready to graduate. She graduates in June. Um, Shouts out to Amira and watching the things that I wish we're back in school, yeah. right? Things that I miss seeing. Like there's the Amira's economics class right now doesn't even have a teacher. Like it's all virtual. It's all online. There's nobody physically present to help her learn this. And this is one of those critical subjects that if she doesn't get, she's going to be ill-equipped in the outside world. Well, she's got dad, but she's going to be ill-equipped. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like I said, I sent, two, I sent two kids through college already. I got one presently in one of the universities. And I can tell you one of my students, right, the university that they that they went to, right? Uh, you know what? I'll call them out. I don't care. NC State, right? Um, was <laughs> why were was, you so was, worried about? Was, it? was wonderful. Well, I don't like to identify my children, right? But like, was wonderful, right? Um, the other one, UNCW, would send me copies of the stuff that was being presented to her, and it was just like, and in their mind, they had to play the game to graduate. You know what I mean? yep. And it was like it. They had to write papers against their their core belief system because they felt that if they didn't, they wouldn't graduate. It, it would be held yep. against them. But that's good, and, right? I mean, if they don't have the opposing side to their core beliefs, well, no, it's, it's important to have the opposing side. But you shouldn't. What I'm saying is, is that you're a fear of your freedom of speech. You're a fear, like when you're writing an that's opinion, right. when you're evaluating a topic, you should be allowed to present, this is how I evaluate this topic. Right. If you don't evaluate it in line with that particular professor's way of thinking, well, now you're, you're you know, in the fear. And then the occupation that she went into makes me concerned <clears throat> about what that occupation is doing once they leave the university, which has a huge impact mm-hmm. on our youth. If you can figure out what she does for sure. right? <laughs> so, so, Senator, I know I mean, that sounds um, like a teacher. I'm, I'm going to bring us around here a little bit. Um, I know that uh, it looks like the state's going to have a pretty big surplus this year, from my understanding and hearing. Um, as there's some thought process on on those funds, I understand that there's a maybe a movement to either reduce again or totally eliminate the state tax. Sure. Let Let me uh, if I could circle back briefly sure. on the previous topic and and say that um, the, the goal isn't to have the information taught a certain way, whether it be from a conservative or liberal point of view. And th- this is where I, I will I will fight and criticize my fellow conservatives. Uh, I believe in individual liberty and individual thought. I don't like groupthink. And if we have the ability to ensure that these kids have at least read these documents, that was the whole goal, that some are going to walk away with a greater appreciation of of our history, of our foundation. And we're not trying to tell them what to think, which is what we see in a lot of colleges today. But we do want them to read it, and we do want them to think. And I promise you, um, it's going to follow a normal distribution, and you're going to have some who – 
you know, feel like I do, some who feel like others do. Um, but what we want is an educated populate, right? I, I'm not trying to be China and tell you what to think about it. And yes, there are going to be very many liberal professors. I had them too, but I, I'm not liberal, you know, because I, I read and educated myself and I know what I believe and why I believe it. And I think that's what we need those, those young people to do. We, we need them to, to be exposed and make up their own mind. But um, as far as the, the surplus goes, we will, well, if I have my way, <laughs> we will absolutely use that to accelerate some of the tax cuts that we've already talked about and forecasted for the future. Um, getting to zero is going to be very difficult for North Carolina. Uh, we will push it down as low as we can. The, the states that do go to zero, you, you see taxes in different areas, uh, a lot of tourism-related things, a lot of uh, hotel taxes like down in Florida. Uh, but we will continue the march to improve our tax climate and uh, for individuals as well as businesses in our state. So we want to return some of the money if we're able to do so, either through uh, just sending it back to folks or making sure that we solidify our ability to have the tax cuts and reductions we want to have and uh, still have the ability to weather a recession without any you know, reactionary uh, force to raise taxes in the future. We wanna make sure our state's financially healthy. Right. And that that is so important until you've been through a hurricane. And and again, you know, when we went through Florence here, had we not had, you know, a, a right. 30 percent fund balance. And, you know, a lot of people will complain and say, why are you keeping all that money? Give it back to the taxpayers. Had we not had that money, we would have not. <laughs> I, sorry, I hate to use this word, weathered the storm the way we did, because um, what people don't understand, you have to pay up front. You have to pay the people to haul away all the, the trash and debris and um, the overtime for um, employees and out-of-town people coming to help. And that comes out of your budget immediately. And then yeah. you have to fight with FEMA for a year or more to get your money back. So um, it is so important to have that fund balance. Right. And, and that rainy day fund is really what helped years ago i think get us over the hump in north carolina that we you know we did have it fund. yeah and uh, yeah, very rainy yeah very rainy, rainy tell me about day. it and and that's what we think about you know cities in eastern north carolina we have to think about the potential of hurricanes every single year so when we look at our budget you know i i think when i was on the board we we passed something to say we would never let our fund balance go below 25 percent you know even though the state you know eight percent and they come get you but you know, yeah. uh, I think it's important to have a healthy fund balance so that you, you can take care of emergencies and things like that. Um, you know, I'm, I, I hate to do this, but we're going back to, to the subject. So one of my um, listeners sent me um, a book that their five-year-old granddaughter was required to read in school. And they are so upset about this. And basically the, you know, it's talking about my mistress is going to cut off my head. It's about two animals is going to cut off my head and put me in the soup if if I don't do what she says. And then uh, I'm getting too ho old to hunt, said the dog. I heard my master say he wanted to kill me because I'm too old. So uh, this is what they're reading in kindergarten. I'm, I can't believe this. So I hope the state of North Carolina is continuing to work with education. What was a five-year-old five reading this stuff. What was the book? Oh, the book is about, you know, animals. It's really kind of interesting. Yeah. It's it, a, a kindergarten book. But So we actually discussed. It was death in like Br'er Rabbit, wasn't it? Yeah, Br'er Rabbit. Yeah. So, so we actually discussed this on Parent Talk a couple of days ago. Like um, huh. the how do these books. And again, I am not for banning books at all, but I am for ensuring appropriate age, appropriate, age appropriate. Co yes, content absolutely. is what's available. And I started looking into like, okay, well, how do these books even get into the school library, right? To the where a, a and again, we read one on the air that nobody in the world would ever consider to be appropriate for, I, I'm, regardless of where you're at on the, there's just no way you would consider it to be appropriate for a nine-year-old, right? Um, but what we learned is, is that 
there are companies that the school districts basically contract with that come up with their preferred leading list. list. And, then and you just you start, buy the whole package. That's right. And then if you start looking into these companies, they're getting kickbacks from the publishing companies mm-hmm. that are getting their names put on the list. Follow the money. You know what right. I mean? And, and I think the, the reason I, I, I brought so too, it just goes back to our discussion before that sometimes government does have to step in yeah. and just you know, lay the groundwork and, and again, let people, it's, it's not saying this, you must do this, but kind of lay the groundwork like we're trying to do in ensuring that people are understanding about government, reading the constitution, understanding yeah. everyday things. So I, I think this is. Well, in, in the terms of books though, especially when it comes down to elementary school or when it comes down to, to grade school, isn't that more a parent thing? Isn't that it more? Should be, yeah. Is it, don't we need more parents more involved in their schools and doing so? Like, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. But the parents need to know it's there. Yeah, that's the problem. The parents don't. Know the parents it's need there. to know. If you're paying attention yeah. to your child's schooling, you know. Well, okay. So you, as a parent, right? Uh-huh. Your your child walks into you know the library. Right? Uh huh. You're not there presently. No. Right? Have you looked at all one thousand seven million? Or you know, of course not. Right? No. But I've so looked at unless unless they actually bring it home to you. Right. Okay. Now, I agree with you that, yes, as an involved parent, you can stop all of this, right? You can stop all of this, okay, if you are an involved parent. Now. Right? But should your child even be able to pick up something that would be, let's face it, borderline pornography in the middle school? Should they even be able to walk in the door and grab it off of the shelf? I'm not saying ban the book. I'm saying should your child be able to grab it to where you, even as an involved parent, have to address, hey, where'd you get this book? Okay, I'm going bring to us, bring us back in because that could be a whole other topic. Yeah. And um, It comes JD down to home training. tell you to quit talking and let me, let me host. Okay. <laughs> you said that JD did? Okay. You know, I hear that a lot about you. <laughs> All right. So I'm coming back back to you, Senator Perry, because I think it's so important, um, the work that you're doing at the state, and it does impact us greatly here. And, and again, those are the, inf- we started out talking about infrastructure dollars. That was probably my number one um, item that I, you know, was pretty passionate about during my time as an alderman is how do we rebuild the in infrastructure such as water, sewer, sewer, electric, but also too the more important thing that I'm working on right now is um, uh, affordable housing. This city is desperate for affordable housing, and you know we're in a quagmire of FEMA and HUD and all these other little agencies in trying to um, reform and revitalize our public housing slash affordable housing, Section 8 housing, whatever you want to call it. But, I mean, is there anything the state, and, and I'll probably, we need to get with you at some point to, to talk to us about where are there funds in the state to help us here as a city in attracting developers or having the incentives we need to revitalize these neighborhoods that have had zero attention for the last 50-plus years? Yeah, you're, you're going to hate my my view and my answer on this i'll tell you that i uh i I do not believe that if the answer to every question is government i I think we're asking the wrong questions um i i believe we should lessen some regulation uh we should try to look at that from a, a private market standpoint and see what we can do to help encourage development in that manner uh, but I do not believe the state needs to be in the housing business. Um, Agreed. I mean, Maybe yeah. I didn't state it correctly, but we do need the incentives. We do need the infrastructure or um, different, the regulations, things that would make it easier yeah. for investors to it be more attractive. Because sure. at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, all businesses have a bottom line. And if they're That's not right. going to be able to make money. At, you know, whatever that number is, doesn't have to be, sure. you know, 100 percent return on investment but some return on investment they're not going to come here and build and that's just the way it is i I think we we can help by making permitting uh easier Mm -hmm. less expensive um you know water and sewer infrastructure i am a big fan of and you know and i i I hear from i've got over two hundred thousand constituents right so i hear a lot of different views and opinions and um i i appreciate that but i don't have all the answers I'm actually willing to have a conversation that even when I agree or disagree with someone and I, I try to talk through it and understand because I, I learn a lot, but I, I think us being able to provide uh, assistance with infrastructure like water and sewer 
is a big deal. And I, I, uh, I'm supportive of that. I, I think that's something that can be helpful talking about the permitting process. So <clears throat> there is a, a move afoot right now that would add about $14,000 of cost to the average size home in North Carolina because of a, of a board that the governor controls mm-hmm. and some things that they want to see moving forward. It, it's getting ahead of a green curve. It's kind of like everything we've done with electric vehicles. It's not that I'm anti-electric vehicle. It's not that I'm anti-sustainability, but when you get ahead of the market, all you're doing is increasing the cost. And if the people want it and the market adopts it, it happens more slowly, uh, but it, it does happen at a, at a more reasonable price base. So I, I think you know things like that additional regulation they're considering now um, unnecessary. I think some would choose to, to go that route and that's fantastic if you choose it. Uh, but when you, when you start forcing those additional regulations on folks and driving the cost through the roof, um, that's just not a good move. Are you, are you uh, referring, I think I've heard are, about maybe a tax on electric cars since you're listening the gas tax or, or is that what we're kind of referring to? <clears throat> uh, well, I, I was talking primarily about, um, some, some things going on with, uh, at the state level regarding requirements for housing, but uh, yeah, no, we'll, we're, we're going to have to require some type of, of tax to replace the gas tax uh, for electric vehicles. There's such a small number today, it wouldn't matter, but you know, the gas tax has been an issue for the last 20 years, uh, 30 years. No one's had the political will to address it. North Carolina, although we're the what, ninth largest state, we have the second most roads in the, in the country. Uh, only behind Texas. We, uh, we have a lot of roads to take care of. We have additional needs and we, we've got to figure it out and get, get serious about how we're going to address that going forward. Right now, it feels like all the money goes to Wake and Mac. You know, we've got right. road needs. We, we, uh, we, we do. And that's one of my pet peeves. So I'm going to tell you right now, you know, roads, um, you know, currently you can't get from Eastern North Carolina to East Carolina University on a, yeah. on a highway. And, you know, here's our major university that has impacted Eastern North Carolina in a big way. And I know you know that in in the spirit of transparency. Yes, I'm a pirate, you know, go pirates. But, um, you know, just think between New Bern and um, Greenville is 43. That's how we have to get there. And the road is dangerous. We've had many deaths on that road. Jacksonville, all these other places you can't get. Moorhead, Carteret County can't get there. And, you know... Uh, four laning 17 would help tremendously and it's like pulling teeth trying to get I've been probably paying attention to it for the last 30 years of, of we probably got 10 billion dollars of unfunded road promises out there already it just grows every day so you know as it stands we keep doing what we're doing we will never see funding right. for that road never so and we, and we we've really got, got to re- do something you know if we could finish um, you know, four lane 17, I feel like, okay, you could take 17 to like Chocowinity and then get over that way, um, you know, to come into to Greenville. But, um, you know, major university impacts our, our region and we should have good roads there because you go to the western part of state, you got great roads to all of those universities. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, they pay, we're, Eastern North Carolina <laughs> is the redheaded stepchild of the state. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> Well, I love it though. Well, I live here. That, I know that's why we all live here. We're a sub-state. That's what we're you know, yeah. um, you know, we have people like Senator Perry fighting for us, and I, you know, I appreciate that so much. Anything else we should see on the horizon before we let you go back to what your your work schedule is? <laughs> you know, I, I was moved to uh, chair finance this year, so I've just been really focused on tax policy and trying to have the best business climate that we can have and the, the best uh, individual tax rate that we can have. It's led uh, to a lot of prosperity for our state. You know, the, the last time we experienced a true major recession, a more traditional recession back at the, you know, around 2008, 2009, um, they actually were raising taxes in the middle of a recession, which is just worst thing you could absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Uh, so we want to uh, continue to see the prosperity we've seen. We want to continue to be attractive uh, for folks and continue to help our state grow. 
Well, thank hey, you. Hey, Senator. Last question. Yeah, I got one last question for you. Um, and sure. I hate to bring up a separate topic, but I, I want this is actually what I wanted to ask you all morning. Does he? Um, sure. The, <laughs> all right. And, and I don't think, uh, and again, I think this bill originated out of the House. Um, again, if I'm wrong, please correct me. Um, sure. But it deals with removing the pistol purchase permit from the sheriff. Yep. You guys just, again, that's been introduced in the General Assembly. Gosh, I don't know how many times, but we could go back. So my yep. question is, is because, I mean, I saw a bunch of, how to do's about it all over, you know, social media and the internet. Like, yeah, and I see this all the time, but do we actually sure. have the votes? Is it going to pass the house and the Senate and, and survive a governor veto, which will definitely happen. Uh, so different versions of it have already passed the house and the Senate. Uh, we had companion bills and some stuff tucked in. Uh, my understanding is that they do have a override uh, in the house. Um, they, they've got, a commitment on that you know we have a super majority in the senate um so we'll we'll see if it holds there there are competing priorities if you get one democrat to cross over uh you can't burn them out use them six times you know they just take so much heat from it so they'll they'll have to discuss their priorities over there and see uh where they want to use that because whatever democrat crosses over uses a lot of political capital and they become a target we saw uh, a Democrat in the Senate last year that was taken out by the governor because he was actually reasonable and willing to have reasonable conversations with us. And he looked the governor in the eye and told him that if we didn't have a budget in that last cycle, he would consider it to be a failure of leadership. And the governor did not like that, but that is what you are supposed to do as an elected representative. You don't represent a party. You don't represent a caucus. You represent the people of that district. That guy had the courage to do it, and he was taken out because of it. So they, you know, they have to be thoughtful about which issues they're going to um, ask. Not die on the hill, as they say. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. that that's true. Well, um, Senator Perry, I really appreciate. I know how busy you are, and I appreciate you giving us some time this morning. Um, and I appreciate your support of Eastern North Carolina, of New Bern, Craven County. Um, you know, we're lucky to have you there fighting for us, and uh, I hope you'll come back again if you have anything you want the public to know, and uh, you're always welcome here on City Talk. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, and that, you know, I'm from Eastern North Carolina, and the people of the East are my people. It's not just that district. If you're from East of 95, we're all in the same boat. Yes, we are. We face a lot <laughs> of the same challenges, and we got to stick together. Amen. Thank you so much. You have a great weekend. Thank you. You guys have a great day. Uh-huh. You too. Um, that was uh, Senator, North Carolina Senator Jim Perry. He represents uh, the Senate district that includes Beaufort, Craven, and Lenore County. We were really glad to have him on the phone today. Some good questions, lots going on in our state. This is the long session. They'll probably be there till about July, yeah. I would guess. Um, and so it's good to uh, be tuned into what's going on. Um, I'm so excited today because I've got Charles Tyndale sitting here, and it's been a long time. I think it's been what, a year, a year yeah. or more, a year, a year while. and a half or something like that, that I haven't seen your pretty face. And I'm so glad to, to have you um, next to me and, and sitting here and talking to us this morning. I want to remind everybody we're live right now on Facebook, but that uh, this show will be rebroadcast at 6 p.m. on 96 Point three. Thank you, Henry Hinton. How is Henry doing? Henry's doing good. I texted with him a little bit. And let me tell you what I texted. One of the things I want to bring up, it is probably the saddest news that I, I got on Monday morning. And that was the death of my, my friend um, and just an all-around good guy, Coach Terry Holland. Um, when, when I say he was a giant among men, not only in his stature, but in who he was as a person. Um, he was kind and but firm, and he just knew how to to treat people. And he took East Carolina University to another level when it came to sports and things we did. I was very lucky during his tenure. I was the chairman of the Alumni Association, got to work with him pretty closely. But I really got to work with his wife, Anne, who was just absolutely the most wonderful person. They were married 56 years. Um, he... Uh, he met her when she was 13 and he was 16, and they've been together all those many years from Clinton, North Carolina. Of course, he went on to Davidson, where he was a, a star basketball player there, coach there. Um, 
you know, then went to UVA and really made his mark in basketball in UVA, uh, you know, with the likes of Lefty Drizel and, of course, Mike Krzyzewski and all the other people that he uh, coached with in the ACC. Uh, went back to Davidson as their AD and then got the job at East Carolina as the AD. And I'm just, I was really sad. I was really, really sad about that. You know, first Jeff Charles, the voice of East Carolina, suddenly dying. And now um, uh, Terry Holland, he was 80. Unfortunately, he had um, Alzheimer's and it's a dreaded, awful, horrible disease. But I really, my heartfelt sympathy goes out to Anne and her two daughters and and the whole Holland family, their grandchildren. And... uh, you know, I'm glad that he touched my life in the way that he did, and he touched many others, too. Um, go online. There's a multitude of articles written about him. The best one I read is in the Richmond Times, a very in-depth about his life and his marriage and 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 his last few years when he did when he was diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's and, and what him and Ann had to go through. But um, it was a sad day for me. And... Uh, that's all I got to say about that. As, as, uh, as far as Gump would say. <laughs> but so Charles, kind of update us. Where where you been at? What you been doing? He, he's been living in a van. Have you ever seen those YouTube videos where people they live in their vans and they drive across the country? <laughs> well, he did that for a while. It's, it's a little. It's a little hard. bigger than a van. <laughs> it's a little bigger than a van. It's yeah, a little, little um, bigger than a van. You know, but um, of course, I always said Charles has the best radio voice of anybody. He does. I know. Yeah, and he just I, the I, smooth sounds and. Of, uh, I've asked him to come I've back and do a show numerous times. And, and we can't, we can't get you up. I, think I, you I haven't been able to get him to do Let's it. Let's do it. It might, it might happen. It might happen. There's, there's. You know, you love there's it. There's a lot of, a lot of thought into that as of late. But I spent a lot of time on the road. I did. It definitely bigger than a van. And I went out <laughs> to Florida and enjoyed some, the, some of the Florida sunshine. But nothing, nothing beats Eastern North Carolina. Really? Not, I'm like, so I, glad you feel I, that way. I, I, it was. The alligators and the large reptiles in Florida were fantastic. I like having less of them here, but, <laughs> but my family's here, and honestly, I'm I'm just kind of happy to be around them. I'm happy to happy to spend more time at home with them. Well, That's but what it is. you know, we all have to have that moment to find ourselves, and and you know, you went off and and had that sabbatical, you know, um, and now you're home, and I said, you know, children and all the fun things or not so fun things that they do and uh god gave me girls for a reason (laughs) that's why i believe god's giving buddy bengal a girl well it will humble him like you will not believe oh man congratulations Um, buddy yeah so you you know we need to get you on here for the show we've got good things going on on newborn live you know you started something here that we we talked about many times when you first decided to do this mm-hmm. um and that was to give talk radio you know some some a presence home. in mm-hmm. newburn because eastern north carolina needed that we needed a venue where people could talk about things you know you really were so instrumental in helping lee and i take city talk and just kind of spin it up to a new level and we did we brought it here um you loved it and you know mentored us along the way and uh and it, it has evolved you know i'm i'm so happy to have liz hartman as my um co-host but we've been doing this god since 2014 mm-hmm. so we've been here we've mm-hmm. been doing city talk for a while mm-hmm. uh, still trying to get rid of us but we're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we are not go- we are not going anywhere but you know now we have the um parent talk which is a great show we've got eric doing all the sports at newburn high school and that i have and that's been, awesome i have been thoroughly impressed with the sports portion i have that was the one thing that i always wanted this platform to have was a good sports element and what, it, what's funny about it is, and, it's, and it is running really smooth right now. We've got it all figured out, but Charles will contest to this, right? How many times did I call you about technical advice <laughs> while we were trying to figure out how to get those live streams to work? It's like we're going live. How long? 30 and, seconds. What? And <laughs> I, I must have called Charles because, I mean, Charles is a genius whiz, whiz yes. when it comes to what the problem is. And, and I must have called you 
hundred hundred yeah. times about like, hey, why is this failing? I can't <laughs> try this, try that, try yeah. this. But he, yeah, he's it, done a, a great job, and we're, it, he's able now to cover you know live events. When we had the parade of the football team, you know, we were there, and it was great. And um, I want JD to be my my new best friend. I want to do some more stuff with him. I really yeah. enjoyed. I I still in you and I talked about this many times that on the street interview, yeah, where yep, we yep, can yep. get out and talk to people about issues happening in our city and and how they really feel about it and even get outside of downtown and go to other areas and say you know what do you think about this what do you think about that um and speaking shout out to our mayor jeffrey odom he is traveling today usually i have do a mayor's minute after every meeting they did have a meeting and a work session this week but he's traveling so hopefully next week i'll get him on lots of interesting topics one of which he posted online and we'd like to probably do an interview on the street. And that's, what do you think should be done with the Days in property? Ooh. So that lot there. And so he posted it online and he, he got, you know, several people kept talking about, um, uh, you know, we need something for children. We need a bowling alley. We need kid-friendly things, more more stuff for kids to do. And, you know, he said that's it's not a function of government. government. Yeah. You know, that's the private industry. But it's good to get all that feedback. Building a park there would be interesting, though, because it's in what is colloquially known as the Bermuda Triangle. So I don't know if you'd want to put a playground right in the middle. Well, yeah, uh, that's on that other side there. And, and you know, playground, just children-friendly stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> I would still like to see something that generates more business, either office or something that brings more people into that area, which then makes people want to shop and eat and do yeah. other things. So, so I had an outlandish idea, which I think <laughs> would never happen because it would require cooperation. With an outlandish idea? No. It would require cooperation between three different elected bodies, probably four, when you start getting into the funding you probably got issue. my idea that I've had, is, and it was... Is, I believe that the Board of Education should be moved there. Yeah. And that building should be built. It should include an education center. It'll be more centrally located. It'll, it can provide a learning center with free Wi-Fi, right? Um, it's, it's to a right, neighborhood that really needs that, it. To a neighborhood that really needs it. And it's going to bring hundreds of employees to that area that will mm -hmm. then shop and mm -hmm. eat and everything. And so that plan was on the table about five years ago. Actually had a meeting. And what we were trying to do was combine the library, put the library on the first two floors, put the Board of Education on the second two floors with a meeting space right. above. So that was that was floated out there, but we could not yeah. get the county, the library, uh, yep. and the school board to to agree because every you know everybody wants to be in control, mm. you know, yeah. and that's the that's problem. the problem. That is the problem. If they can let that all just kind of filter down, it would be so much better. But you know, oh, it's the city's property, and who's who's going to be in charge, and who's going to decide, and of course, who's going to pay the money? So really, and and you know, I'm not on the county board, but if I was, I would be concerned because you know the county would have to fund the building of the library, the county would have to fund um, the building of the the school board but there's other resources hopefully they could bring in but we could never get to that point so right. we couldn't get past yeah i'm saying the, the the bureaucracy of having yeah, to deal terrible. with that many boards again it's not impossible but it's close yeah simply because you know just the lack of personalities and in, right. in, in, in you need a that. lobbyist but it would be man i mean it would be that that location would be perfect for something like that again i would picture um, a community, not so much a community center, but a resource center, a place right. with free Wi-Fi, like a lot of. Uh, That's why I thought the library, because right yeah. now you could do that, and it would be a place and, to for use computers and right. just you, a great central location. Right. You could house the virtual academy in the same in the same building, as opposed to paying six thousand dollars a month for a wasted building. Right. Oh. Um, we we did have a post here, interestingly enough, and and Ramona says, why can't we get the state to pass property exemptions for a hundred percent? disabled north carolina claims to be the most veteran friendly state and i'm Ramona, confused you know that's a that's a good point i don't I, know. I understand what she's talking about i do yeah. too i think in the state but of aren't new york, you tax aren't, don't you have a property tax exemption um if 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 there is like, i think yes locally the county there is something that you can do to, to get an exemption based off of your percentage but i kind of agree with her to this extent where I felt, and this would be a county thing because that property tax is a, is a county thing. So how can we get the state? Well, you have to get the county to adopt agree. this. Yes. Um, when you start talking about it, because the county and the city do a great job of trying to keep us, as you always use that, um, what, what's that neutral? Revenue, revenue neutral. Revenue neutral, right? 
uh, which I agree with. In fact, on my homeowners association page right now, there's a lot of people arguing about they got their evaluation. <laughs> oh yeah, and everybody's going nuts. And, and so <laughs> I went in there and I was like, calm down because they haven't set the tax rate, and th- that's they what, have to set yeah, the tax rate. People, I'm glad to say that. Let's just get that out there right now. Yeah. Do not panic it. You don't know. Yes, it might have gone up double, whatever, but. Uh, the city and the county are working on their budgets right now. Until they get the number, they have to get a number from the county that says, okay, the property in the city of Newburn is now valued at, let's just say, currently it's $100 million. Now it's $200 million. They have to set the tax rate based on the total valuation and what they need to operate. So, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a mathematical number, and they call it revenue neutral. It might not necessarily be, but your tax rate instead of 43 cents or 46 cents whatever it is it might be 40 cents but they adjust it right. to get the same amount of money yeah. into the pot that they're used to having it's it's a formula but and they I need will, to do that I, I will say this right, to answer her question like me personally and I'm going to speak for myself only right and I am a retired disabled veteran right I did 23 years I have a VA disability rating and everything like that, right? And I have a lot of friends with 100% disability ratings. Mine's not 100%. I don't want to tell everybody. Mine's 70, right? So, like, but, so if you start looking at that, we live in an area with a huge population that have these benefits, right? Unless you start exempting everybody, well, the only thing the county is going to be able to do is increase the rate on everybody else to be able to provide with the same quality of services. And Charles, and you know this, right? You know this. There is a 100% disabled and then there's a hundred percent disabled facts right mm-hmm. like there are two people with the same rating and two completely different whether or not i can work scenarios correct right you know what i mean and so as a disabled veteran that wants to have the quality of life that i have here in eastern north carolina i'm not sure i can jump on board of exempting people across the board based off of a va disability rating because of the the amount here in eastern north carolina of people that we that have that, that own property, well, once you start exempting everybody for every little thing, well, then how do you pay for everything that it is that makes us the place that we want to live? Yeah, I, I think it, you know, it does become difficult. And I know that I know in the state of New York, you know, my dad was a Purple Heart disabled veteran and he, he did have, um, you know, exemption. It was really interesting. So he had exemption for, um, you know, Purple Heart and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. for uh, being disabled, and then he was a senior, and he was above eighty, so he got another exemption. You know? Exemption. And yeah. unfortunately, when he passed away, then the house became my my sister and brother in laws, and then their tax rate doubled. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And now they're struggling to have mm-hmm. to pay that tax yeah. rate because they don't have those exemptions. So you know, it, it everybody has their situation. Yeah, and so again, I'm not against it. Obviously, you know what I mean. I would benefit highly from it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, however, I would like to, before I would ever like jump on a huge supporter of that, I would like to see how do we provide the same level of services right. that I currently, that made me want to build a home here. Right. That's, and that's the, it's that level of service and stuff like that. Um, well, we're getting, we're getting close to the end guys. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, Charles, I'm, again, I, I, I've said this a hundred times, slap me, but I'm so glad to see you. And I'm so glad to have you here this morning, just hearing your voice and, you know, bringing that perspective in. And I just mm-hmm. miss having you on the other side. And you, I want to see you back in that seat again in some form or fashion. The Charles Sindel show. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> why not? You know, and just talking about the things of the day, I think people really want to, um, you know, hear what's going on in the community. There's so much misinformation out that. And we've worked really that hard I to try to about. change that, but we got we got to we gotta fight that yeah. and get some some good information. One of the things that I gotta love, bring the pieces of the community together. One of the things that I love that you did is no matter what your personal thoughts were on a topic, you always play devil's advocate. Yes. That's you the always That's why we love devil's them. advocate. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to My favorite to. line of yours was, well, let's unpack that. Let's unpack that. <laughs> let's unpack that. Let's unpack that. That's the way it's supposed to be. The whole point, the, what makes a platform like this successful is being able to get to the root cause of somebody else's real issue, right? Like, for example, you're talking about how our students are getting indoctrinated, where they're getting, yeah. where they're having their core beliefs challenged, right? Right. You have to do that. If you don't do that, nobody's thinking. And if nobody's thinking, what do you got? You got a bunch of lemmings running around all voting the way that they're told to vote or clicking the way that they're told to click. You have to engage. And if you don't engage, you're missing 
50% of your conversation. Right. That's the way it works. Okay, everybody, we're at the 9 o'clock hour. I want to thank my uh, guest again today, Senator Jim Perry, but I want to, um, more importantly, thank my, my friend Charles Tindell for being here this morning. Thank you for sitting in the hot seat. I oh, yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Hope, and hope Aaron, Liz doesn't thank you hold too. it against me. You know, I'm, when I try to pull together these shows, um, you know, with all the best intentions, things change and last minute you've got to do some things so this turned out to be a great show we've got some great topics coming up in the in the month of march uh towards the end of march we're gonna um have our good friend um bethany um, richards here talking about some new things that are going to be happening with bike box and the great great work she's doing at her gym and with parkinson's disease so um it's always a pleasure to have her and of course you know we're always going to have great shows hopefully we'll have the mayor here next week talking about how everything's going on in the city that's good because i forgot to ask you and i don't want you to go over your time or anything like that but i wanted your feedback on the whole msd thing that let's talk about it next week yeah. yeah i've got you know that's a whole show for me yeah um because <laughs> like I, I guess the debates between the swiss bear and a like it's, a private it's, entity yeah no no and, and there's legislation the i'll tell you that's next week's we'll, show we'll, yeah we'll, we'll talk about it next week that'll be the topic of tune the show in next, next week, week. So tune in next week we'll talk about msd SD. Thank you, everybody, for being here today. It's supposed to be a great weekend. Get out. Support your local community. And everybody, come on. Be kind. Don't berate somebody on Facebook. If you have a problem with somebody, pick up the phone and call them. Set up a meeting and an appointment because they may have misunderstanding. You may have misunderstanding. And then you can walk away with good information. So be kind. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you on the sidewalks.